Okay. Good to be with you this morning. If you've been watching from the very beginning, you'll know we've had some, we had some trouble with the live stream dropping out. I think we figured it out. I think, I think it's the internet in the room and uh, we had a few too many things going on and hopefully it's all stable now. And hopefully you can hear me as well because we had a little bit of microphone trouble. So let me know uh, if not on the, uh, on the chat. Whew, praise God. I'll tell you what, there's nothing a live streaming that can increase your blood pressure and the pulse rate, you know, but also just being together, worshipping, and we are looking forward to all being able to gather more together in the coming weeks. Uh, if you listened to me last week, you'd have heard that I was inspired last week by something David Curtis said the week before about being family. And I continue this week with another bit of inspiration from someone else. So um, Richard uh, was on the prayer meeting a couple of weeks ago, and he was just I can't remember if he was sharing or maybe he was just praying about something. And, and just sometimes people say things and it just clicks inside you. And you, you know, if you're like me, my mind wanders off to just meditate on what they said. And Richard was talking about um, the story of the feeding of the 5,000. The story of the reading of the 5,000. And how there was much left over afterwards. And so this morning, my message to you is called More Than Enough. I don't know if you are familiar with the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Probably many people are. It's a very well-known story. And I wonder if you've thought about it or heard a preach about it before, whether there's an aspect of that story that you focus on. It might be the size of the crowd. The size of the crowd, about these 5,000. And also, if you're someone who's kind of heard about this stuff, you'll realise it's actually 5,000 men. That might create another debate as to well, why, is, why, why is the Bible only tells about the men? What about the women and what about the children? Um, Sam, did I bring up the title more than enough? Or is, no, you, you won't be able to do it, it's me. Um, so yeah, so you might look and go, well, is it just about the men? Why are the women not getting mentioned? That might be something where you focus. It might be the focus of the story is about this little boy giving up his lunch. Poor lad, he comes prepared, no one else does, and he has to give up his lunch. Or what about the part of the story where the disciples start thinking practically about how we can solve this. And Jesus' mind is in a completely different place about how they can supernaturally feed them. I think the place where Richard focused, which was where it made me really think, was this fact that... Um, oh dear, I'm getting really confused with my technology here. But the fact that um, there was 12 baskets left over afterwards. And I thought, wow, that's a part of the story that I don't really focus on enough. It makes me think of this thing about more than enough. And it makes me think about, well, I thought of two examples in my mind. One was, uh, I remember Karen and I, I think it was Dave and Viv, we went out for afternoon tea. Um, this is a, you know, this is a thing we all do these days, especially us middle-aged people, right? Let's go out for afternoon tea. And we went out for afternoon tea at this place, uh, I think it was Cafe Concerto. This is not a plug for Cafe Concerto, it's about me to have a whinge. Because, you know, you pay enough for afternoon tea, really, when you think about it. And uh, they brought afternoon tea up, and then we drank all the tea, and then we asked for some more tea, and they charge us for more tea. You know, what, hot water and a, ba and a bag, right? You know, and you paid enough for all the cakes and the scones and the sandwiches, and then you make me pay for more tea, this kind of stinginess that's like, oh, that's just all you get. I also thought about the times that we've been away to Sizewell, and you know we're trying to see if we can get that uh, going again. Um, and, um, yeah, going to, to Sizewell and feeding people. Or if you go to dinner at someone's house, and just, you know, the, the, the idea of, do you just get given enough to eat, or is there more than enough? Is there seconds? Do you get to have more than that? Well, let's remind ourselves of the story of the feeding of 5,000. It is a very well-known 
parable that Jesus told, if you know any of Jesus' stories, is probably uh, one of the events of Jesus' life. And it's recorded four times in each of the Gospels. So you can pick on any one of them and read this story about the feeding of the 5,000. But we are going to read from Mark. And we're in Mark chapter 6. So if you've got your Bible or an iPad or a phone or whatever, we're going to read from Mark chapter 6. And uh, we're verse 30 to 44. So let me read this to you. And Sam, you tell me if I'm doing the slides wrong. Because only I can control it. And when I get it wrong, you can't even fix it, right? So... Mark chapter 6, verses 30 to 44 says this, The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place to rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognised them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. That is the story as it's told in Mark. And I want us to see in this story that we start life. We start this story with less than enough. The story even begins before we got to the bit where we read, where Jesus sent the disciples out. They sent them out to minister And they come back and they've got less than enough energy. And also we hear in the story before this passage that Jesus not only sent out them to cast demons and to go and do healings, he sends them out. At the same time, Jesus gets the message that John the Baptist, John his cousin, has been beheaded. And so the story enters into this place where Jesus received this sorrowful news about his cousin being beheaded. And he's also seen the disciples come back having ministry and all the great things that come from that, but also all the busyness and the exhaustion. Let me tell you, there can be busyness and exhaustion in ministry. I can personally testify to most of the people in this building can in all the prep that takes for today. And so they enter into this and Jesus, it says in the story in verse 31, and he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. His call is, look, we all need a rest right now. 
It said for many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. You know, his life has been so busy, we're not even getting a break, we're not getting a chance, you know. And you can be empty from ministering and you can be empty from the losses that we experience in life. Wherever you come from, there can be these moments where we're empty. And the place that they go to is empty. It's a, it's a place where there's less than enough to eat. They find this problem in the desolate place. It said in verse 35, and it grew late and the disciples said to him, this is a desolate place. You might have picked up this little detail in the story that he, he gets them to sit down on the green grass. But don't forget, this is a desolate place. You know, it's an interesting fact that, you know, there they are, all these people, 5,000 men, plus the women, plus the children, Jesus, the disciples, the green grass, but it's still a desolate place. You can still feel deserted in the desolate place. You can still feel empty. And they have less than enough to feed them. And I know when there's 60 people to feed, it's a problem if you don't have enough, let alone when there's 5,000 and more to feed. You know, and when the disciples say we've got a problem... And Jesus says, will you give them something to eat? They naturally go to the natural answer. And they're like, well, should we, should we go and buy, well, they call it 200 denarii's worth of bread and give them to eat? I don't think the problem is the money, to be honest with you. I just want you to think about this. There's 12 disciples, there's 5,000 people. Imagine the bank is full of money. I just want to see this picture of 12 disciples come back with enough food for 5,000 plus people. Right, the problem is, well, it might be the money, but I just, I mean, they're missing a lorry, right, to bring food back for 5,000 people. They are under resourced. They have less than enough money, less than enough strength, they have less than enough vehicles to carry food for 5,000, maybe 8,000, maybe 10,000 people there. They have less than enough. But don't underestimate what God can do in the desolate place. You know, we can think of the desolate place, the desert is the place where God isn't. It's the place where we go, oh, I don't know where God is. But the desolate place is often where the power of God is displayed. You know, when we let God work in the wilderness, then we become fit for the promised land. Just think about the Old Testament, the story of the children of Israel who wandered through the desolate place, through the desert, through the wilderness. That preparation for the promised land. And it's so easy to see when we're in the desolate place that we have less than enough. It's so easy for that to become our focus. It's so easy that becomes the bit that it's almost like that's the only thing we can see. It's right in front of our eyes. You know, when we stare at the problem, we fail to see the provision. When we stare at the problem, we miss the fact that God is providing all around us. You know, God is at work in the wilderness. He's at work in the desolate place. He's at work in the de desert. And we're often blind to see it. I'm not going to read you the verses, but you can go read it for yourself. In, in Deuteronomy 25, there's some verses where they, they reflect back on the time in the wilderness. And it says there in verse 4 that, that, the, that the Israelites were too blind to see that God had been providing for them. There was all this provision going on in the desert. And they were too blind to see it. You know, in the desolate place, God provided more than enough for them. It's interesting because there's this story of bread being provided in the desolate place with this story of the feeding of the 5,000. In the desolate place, in the wilderness with the children of Israel, there's bread provided. There's this thing called manna. God provides food in the wilderness. It also says back in this passage in Deuteronomy 29 that they spent these 40 years in the wilderness and, and their shoes never wore out. 
Now that's a miracle. I don't know about you, I've been spending the last year and a half in slippers most of the time. I've gone through two pairs already. I'm waiting for my third pair to arrive because I just keep wearing them out. It's all I'm wearing. I pop out now and wear some trainers, but most of the time I'm wearing slippers. And I'm just walking around the house. They're walking around the wilderness for 40 years and they're, they're, they're their shoes don't even wear out. God is providing in the desolate place. Their clothes don't wear out. They don't get holes and rips in their clothes. God is providing for them. He provides this food for them. It also says in, this, in Deuteronomy 7, it talks about the fact they didn't need a doctor. No one felt ill. 40 years, no one falls ill. No one needs a doctor for 40 years. It even says they had no blisters on their feet. All that walking in that desert place, no blisters or swollen feet. You know, the desolate place. The desolate place is a place of provision, as it was for the children of Israel, as it is in this story here. So don't underestimate what God can do when we have less than enough. But of course, the great thing about the story here that we are probably somewhat familiar with is God turns the less than enough into more than enough. He goes from this place where they can see they don't have nearly enough that's needed for 5,000 people. And he turns it into a place where there is more than enough. Let me remind you again, verse 38 to 42, it says, And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found it, they said, Five and two fish. It's like saying, We have got less than enough. Then he commands them, Sit down on the green grass. And they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties and he took the five loaves. Jesus takes the less than enough, the five loaves and the two fishes. And he looks up to heaven and he says a blessing and he breaks the loaves and gives them to disciples. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they, oh, this is verse 42, and they all ate and were satisfied. This is what Jesus does. He takes the less than enough and they all ate and were satisfied. Now, we've done mass catering, whether it's the, the Christmas lunch that we have in this building, whether it's at Sizewall or at a party that you've done. You've done mass catering. You know, getting everybody satisfied is a challenge. There are some people I know, some of them might even be in this building, they have a large appetite. You know, those you can serve them whatever, and they're always going, is there, is there any more? Is there any more? Right, if there's a buffet, they'll be back there two, three, maybe more times. You know those people. I know those people, right? You know, getting everybody in a crowd satisfied is challenging. But it says they were all satisfied, every single one. And this is an amazing miracle that 5,000 people are satisfied. And I've read this so many times. And how many preachers have I heard? And how many maybe times I might have preached on this story? But they weren't just satisfied. They were more than satisfied. They had leftovers. That, that means everyone's so full, they've had as much as they want and extra, that there is leftovers. There is an extravagance in Jesus. What do you read in verse 33 and 44, 43 and 44? And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. <laughs> I wonder whether they focused on the men because they're the ones who were eating all the food. I don't know, right? But, but you know, those who ate... But 5,000 men plus their families, they were all satisfied and there's still stuff left over. Depends how much of the Bible you're aware of. There's a story in the Old Testament about the widow's oil. I always get confused whether it's Elijah or Elisha. I think it's Elisha. Which is it, Dave? Elijah or Elisha with the widow's oil? He didn't know either. It's, either, it's one of the two. I think it's Elijah. 
Nick says Elijah, we're going to trust him. Anyway, one of those two, right, they've got very similar names. But there's a provision where the widow has some oil and, and, and Elijah, let's say it's Elijah, says, go on, get, get all these jars and pour out the oil. And she gets all these jars from her neighbours and she pours out the oil. And it says there when she got to the last jar, she poured out the last drop of oil. That was a story where there was just the right amount. The story of the manna being provided in the wilderness was a story of just the right amount. They couldn't gather up more than, than they needed for tomorrow because it would go foul, it would, it would die. And when they needed twice for Sunday so they didn't have to gather the Sunday, there was extra on the, Saturday, or the, the day before the Sabbath. These are stories where there's just enough provided. But when we get to Jesus, there's an extravagance. There's more than a just enough. There's a more than enough. And it made me think of three... Uh, passages in the New Testament. They just talk about this. Just, just bring this home. Let me read these passages to you. In Ephesians 3, 20 to 21, it says this, Now to him who is able to do far more, far more abundantly than all we could ask or think. We were praying into that on Tuesday in the prayer meeting. I was sharing a little bit of the sermon ahead of time and shared this verse. And we were praying to the God who is able to do far more abundantly than we could ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all the generations. Forever and ever. Amen. A great scripture. If you're going to have a time of prayer, just focus on that for a few minutes. and Just realise that we're praying to the God who is able to do far more than we ask or think. What about this great scripture from 1 Corinthians 2.9. That is what the scripture means when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined. We haven't dreamed and imagined what God has prepared to those who love him. This is a story of an extravagant God, a God of more than enough. And it's not just the New Testament. Read from this in the Psalm 23, one of the most famous psalms, the, the, uh, the, the Lord's my shepherd, it starts, it gets to verse 5 to 6. And it says, you prepare a feast for me, a feast in the presence of my enemies. We sing it in that song, we raise a hallelujah, you know, in the presence of my enemies. God prepares a feast. You anoint my head with oil. And it says, my cup overflows with blessing." not just poured into it's not just poured up to the brim this cup is overflowing with blessings surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life I had a conversation this week with someone randomly in Specsavers and I had the opportunity to say to them about God's forgiveness about how he keeps forgiving he keeps going and going and going how his loving kindness is new every day you're not going to exhaust him you're not going to run out of his patience in a day and every new day there's new blessings there's new loving kindness this is the God of more than enough the God of more than enough not the God of less than enough not the God of just enough the God of more than enough he is more than enough for you it remind, I, I posted on Facebook this week the, um, a, a song from Hillsong we don't sing that much anymore but it's got this bridge to it where it says, Lord, you're more than enough for me. Lord, you're more than enough for me. And it just keeps repeating, you're more than enough. You're more than enough. More than I could hope or dream of. You've poured your favour on me. Lord, you're more than enough for me. You know, the great message about Jesus is he's not just the God of more than enough. He's not just the God of more than enough. Jesus himself 
is more than enough. Jesus is more than enough. You know, because Jesus is more than enough. He is all that you need. He's all that I need. He's all that we need. And there's a, there's a theological term, if you want to sound intelligent to those who care about these things, it's called the sufficiency of Jesus. It says that Jesus is sufficient. And when we hear sufficient, we kind of think just enough, but he is more than sufficient. There isn't anything more. You know, anything less than Jesus is not enough. Anything less than Jesus is not enough. And anything more than Jesus means that Jesus isn't sufficient. If you need Jesus and something, then it means that Jesus didn't do it all. If you need, if you need the cross and the work of the cross and something else, and getting yourself right by your works or proving to God, then Jesus didn't do enough on the cross. He is more than enough. And I want to just tell you uh, in this three-point sermon about less than enough, more than enough, and Jesus is more than enough, I want to then dive into seven points. So we're going to go quicker on these. I want to hear seven ways that Jesus is more than enough. Because you might be going, hang on, hang on, I get this bread stuff, and now he provides more than enough. What do you mean by Jesus is more than enough? Let me talk to you about how Jesus is more than enough. Firstly, Jesus alone can save you. No more, no less. Acts 4.12 says this. It says, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name, no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name. He is more than enough. Jesus alone can save you. He's more than enough to save you. You don't need your works, your goodness, your heritage, your background, your childhood, whether your parents were Christians, your grandparents were, what you grew up like. You don't need anything more. He is more than enough. Secondly, only Jesus' sacrifice, only Jesus' sacrifice can perfect the imperfect. Can make perfect the imperfect. We've got that sign out the front of our church, no perfect people allowed. Only Jesus can take the imperfect and make them perfect. Only through his sacrifice. Hebrews 10, 14 says this. It says, For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. That's you. He's made perfect those who are being made holy. We see a work in progress. We see that we're slowly and surely being sanctified and being made holy and, and bits that are rough on us keep getting rubbed off and we get more and more closer to where we're meant to be. I realise I'm trying to navigate myself around this thing, but Sam, am I going to the wrong direction? Do I keep going behind it? I'm thinking I'll stand over here, but I need to be here, don't I? I'm getting my left and right smothered up. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, it's not, I'm not trying to hide behind the scriptures, right? <laughs> Only Jesus can do that. He perfects the imperfect. He takes that no perfect people allowed, that work in progress, and he makes them perfect. He forever made perfect those who are being made holy. Number three, only Jesus can give you all you need to live a godly life. We think we need these systems and seven-part plans and you know, accountability partners and, all stuff, and they're all great, but only Jesus, only Jesus can give you all you need to give a godly life. I think we don't accept that nearly enough. This is an incredibly strong passage in 2 Peter 1.3 where it says, By his divine power... 
God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all this by coming to know him, the one who called us by himself by means of his marvellous glory and excellence. So yes, we're a work in progress. Yes, there are still rough things, but we've been made perfect and he has given everything we need. Jesus is more than enough to get you into a place to live in a godly life. He has given everything we need for living a godly life. Imagine that. Imagine we accepted and received that and went, yes, he has given me everything I need. This is the promise of Jesus. This is why Jesus is more than enough. The fourth thing I want to say is only Jesus can provide every spiritual blessing. Every blessing you're going to need in the spirit, he has provided. Only Jesus has. Ephesians 1.3 tells us that. It says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we're united with Christ. I went a bit Jonathan Ross there, didn't I? Because we are united with Christ. He has given us every spiritual blessing. He's blessed us. We spoke about blessings the other week. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. This is the Jesus who is more than enough. The fifth thing is Jesus is the only one who can complete you. I don't know if you ever see that bit at the end of Jerry Maguire, isn't it? At the end of Jerry Maguire, when he walks in, he looks at Rennie, so he goes, you complete me. You complete me. No, only Jesus. We, we can go through life thinking there's something missing in our life. There's a hole, there's a void. What I need is, what I need is, then I'll be complete. Only Jesus can complete you. Colossians 2, 9 to 10 says this, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you are also complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every rule and authority. You know, it's true that we're incomplete. I think Pascal was the man, was he a French theologian and mathematician in 1800s? I forget now, Blaise Pascal. He said, inside every human there is a hole with a God-shaped hole ready to be filled. You know, we can often feel incomplete, but the story here is that in Christ lives all the fullness of God. So in Christ, in Jesus, when we read about him, when we encounter Jesus, he encompasses everything that God is. And because we are in union with Christ, we've got everything we need. We are complete. We are made complete. He is more than enough to complete you. If you go through life feeling like something's missing, you're not going to find it in whatever it is you're pursuing after. There will still be the emptiness without Jesus. He is the one who completes you. He is more than enough. The sixth thing I want to say about Jesus being more than enough is he is more than enough to supply your every need. Philippians 4.19 says this, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all you need from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. He is more than enough to supply your every need. And lastly, the seventh thing, about Jesus being more than enough, is only Jesus can work his power in your weakness. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can work through our weakness. What do we read in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 to 9? It says, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. He was talking about this, um, flesh, uh, this uh, thorn in the flesh he had, which we don't know what it was, but some problem. Three times I begged to take it away, and each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. 
So I'm now glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. This is Jesus who is more than enough. You know, when Jesus was feeding them, later you read that people come running after Jesus and he's like, you come after me just because I fed you, but I am the bread of life. He goes from the bread, the manna that's provided in the wilderness, to the bread that's provided in the desert place with 5,000 men and their families, to Jesus saying, I'm the bread. I'm the one who's more than enough. I am more than enough to save you. I'm more than enough to perfect you. I'm more than enough to give you all you need to live a godly life. I'm more than enough to give you every spiritual blessing you need. I'm more than enough to complete you and make you whole. I'm more than enough to supply your every need. I'm more than enough to work in your weakness. This is Jesus who is more than enough. You know, when I come to preach, I'm, I think, you know, we all do this, preachers. We, we bring ourselves, who we are and what we care about and how we're wired. And I'm, I'm very much an action person. I'm, I'm always looking for the, and so what? What do you want me to do with that? And in all honesty... Mainly, I just want to encourage you this morning. Mainly, I just want to recenter our vision and our sights on, on the God who is more than enough. Even in our desert place, even in our desolate times, even when we think we haven't got enough, He can take that less than enough. I just want to kind of make our focus in a particular place. But if you are someone who goes, but I want to do something, I want to give you just some things you can do. I mean, I pray it uplifts you, I pray it encourages you, I pray it shifts your perspective. But if you're an action person, there's some things you can do with this. You know, when you are in the desolate place and you're only seeing your lack, you know, you might say, I've got less than enough money for this challenge that's ahead of me. I've got less than enough emotional energy to keep going. I've got less than enough hope to believe for tomorrow. I've got less than enough stamina to keep going. God is the God that works in desolate places. This is where he provides and he sustains and he refines and he builds us up. Pray to him. Say, Lord, I'm in a desolate place, but you can do something here. And recognise he's already at work, just like the, um, the children of Israel missed it. They're walking around in shoes that aren't wearing out and clothes that aren't wearing out and food that's provided. And they're going, I'm in a wilderness. Where's God in all this? And he says, you are too blind to see. Pray, God, open my eyes. If you're in that desolate place, they go, just nothing's going right. Say, Lord, open my eyes. Let me see, and you will see that God is, he's already at work. You're not just asking for him to come work. He's already at work. He's already providing. This is the God who provides in the desolate place. And secondly, expect more than enough. Raise your expectations to believe that he is the one who, if he can provide for 5,000 men plus their families and have leftovers, he can provide for you. He is more than enough for you. No one was lacking on that green grass. No one went away hungry. He's able to do abundantly more than you could ask or think. No eye has seen, no, no mind has imagined what he's able to do. Raise your expectations. And thirdly, be satisfied in the sufficiency of your Saviour. Be satisfied with Jesus is more than enough. He is more than enough. We just read these great seven things about him being our saviour and our perfecter and completing us and giving spiritual blessings and giving all we need for a godly life. He is more than enough. Be satisfied in him. How many times are we in danger of, of looking at God and saying, God, you're not doing enough. I want more from you, God. And we don't see that he is already more than enough. We used to sing a song 
Again, an older song that said, all that we need is found in him. All that I need is in you. It's a great meditation just to come back and focus on that and say, Lord, all that I need is found in you. My attention is elsewhere and I need this and I need that and would you do this and would you do that or on our lack, on our less than enough, our attention's here. But that song is a great one to just go, Lord, you are more than enough. All that I need is found in you. All that I need is in you. Well, I'm going to ask the band to make a bit of cluttering noise and get back on the platform to lead us in a final song. And I'm going to pray and just allow this to, to just sink into our hearts and just to orientate our vision to the God who is more than enough, to the Saviour who is more than enough, who can take our less than enough and provide so much more than just enough, but be more than enough. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for this, for this story, even familiar story, this well-known story about you feeding 5,000. Lord, thank you for focusing our attention on the fact that you didn't just feed people, you had leftovers. There was leftovers. You were extravagant and you are still the extravagant God. Jesus, you are more than enough. Lord, we're sorry. We're sorry, genuinely, Lord. We're sorry when we have not acknowledged that and recognised that and appreciated it. When we've looked and wanted more and needed more and expected more and not seen, God, you are more than enough. You've saved me. You've redeemed me, you've cleansed me, you've healed me, you've given me a future and a hope, you've completed me, you've perfected me, even though I'm a work in progress, you've called me perfect. Lord Jesus, you are more than enough. Oh, help us to keep our eyes fixed on you.